Second Chancers. As always, it is my pleasure that you join me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I'd very much appreciate it, as it will help dynamic people such as yourself. Hopefully, you discover this podcast wherever you listen to this and your other favorite podcasts. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or a coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business college or university seeking to integrate and support your returning citizens in your respective organizational and learning environments. Please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or find me on Instagram at Lewis. I am excited and privileged as always to have such a powerful sister joining us today, Ms. Maisha Nelson. And I'll uh, give a little bit of an introduction to you guys, to her, and then we'll get into the conversation that we'll have about human resources and reentry and her role in the movement. Maisha is a human resources professional who blends performance improvement, operations, strategic planning, compliance, and organizational development together to successfully help businesses meet their goals. She began her career on Wall Street as the director of human resources for a brokerage firm and then worked at one of the largest healthcare systems in the United States for over a decade and resources for a nonprofit in San Francisco. Most recently, Maisha founded partnerships with purchase with purpose, also known as the rate of recidivism, specifically for people of color by helping to reduce the employment barriers that returning citizens face when attempting to enter the workforce. T-Squared works with companies to not only show them the benefits of working with returning citizens, but also to help establish a successful work culture that is diverse, non-discriminatory, equitable, and inclusive. Maisha is on the board of the, North, of the Northern California chapter of the National Association for African Americans and Human Resources, serving as their vice president of programs. She is also a member of the Society for Human Resource Management and holds the designation of a Senior Professional in Human Resources, an SPHR, from the Human Resources Certification Institute. On the side, she enjoys traveling, eating out, volunteering. On the East Coast, she volunteered at the Fortune Society, the Northside Center, and the Eagle Academy Foundation in New York. And on the West Coast, at the East Bay SPCA and City Team in Oakland. So at this time, to second chance coaching. How are you doing, sister? Hello. Hi, how are you, Richard? I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you? I am doing fine. I'm doing fine. So we'll we'll get right to it and start getting into your business right away. <laughs> so <laughs> so Maisha, so so currently you're a director of human resources for a nonprofit. So can you tell us what is it that you're doing professionally there and what sparked your interest in criminal justice reform and reentry? Sure, absolutely. First, I just want to say thank you, Richard, for inviting me to be on this episode of Second Chance Coaching. I'm very excited to be here um, and happy to have been able to connect with you over the last few months. Um, Professionally, so yes, as you mentioned, I do work as the Director of Human Resources for the Immigrant Legal Resource Center in San Francisco. I've been here for about two and a half years, and I love the work that I do. I love being in human resources. I've been doing HR work for about a little over 15 years, and it's great because I feel like no two days are the same. And if they are the same, then I wonder if something else is happening that I'm missing out on and I need to be looped Absolutely. in. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I love the work that I do. I think over my career, you know, there have been times when HR hasn't been my full-time focus, but it's just been uh, a large part of what I do. Um, but yeah, I, I really do love it. And, um, you know, even as a kid, I always loved volunteering and giving back. I always thought it was something that was very important. Um, I think that, you know, as a kid, I didn't have a job. And so I couldn't give back as far as donating money, but I could give my time. And I think that that's something that's very valuable because it's something that you can't get back. Right. So to be able to donate your time to help people, I think, is just such a great way um, to go. And you really can't put a price on it. Um, and my interest in criminal justice reform and reentry, it started back in 2013. So about eight years ago when I was in New York, um, I started volunteering at the Fortune Society located in Long Island City. And it's a great organization. Uh, they do a lot of reentry work. And I just was there to join as a mentor. And I was, how did I get in touch with them? Oh, I was put in touch with them um, from one of the physicians I worked with at Mount Sinai. He had done a lot of work with him and he knew that there was an interest. And so he was like, oh, check them out. And I was hooked. <laughs> and I got to serve in a mentoring capacity, um, just teaching life skills, just to talk to people and just really helping them navigate what it was like to really re-enter back into just the home space and into workspace. And, you know, now that I'm currently in the immigration space, I see reentry from a whole different perspective, um, in particular, the consequences uh, and what that can lead to for deportation uh, for those who are immigrants. No, thank you. I, I definitely loved when I, during my time at the Fortune Society, we missed each other by about maybe seven, eight years. <laughs> by the time oh, man. Yeah, I was there from 2004 to 2006. So, and, but they do great work. I was, they were still in Manhattan when I was there. So they were, mm. they were long into Long Island City by the time you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So as an HR professional, um, and we've, we've done, I've done this episode when I talked about, um, last season, I talked about both sides of the conviction question, where I've talked about being a returning citizen, applying for a job, and also being the one to hire people, either, either hire them as returning citizens or admit them into school. But in your position as an HR professional, what do you look for when you're possibly hiring someone who may have a criminal justice history or be a return? Yeah, I think the first thing is transferable skills that the, the candidate may already have, transferable skills. Um, I think that's really kind of the biggest part of it. And some of these skills really could have been um, obtained from when a person is on the inside. So I just figure looking for what aligns with what the employer is currently looking for is very important. Um, I think the willingness to learn, right? Like that's someone who's eager to learn to pick up new skills and just be trained, I think is also very important. They have to be passionate about the work, whatever it is that they're doing. I think a lot of people look at some jobs and say, oh, that's insignificant. It doesn't mean anything, but that's not the case. Every job is designed to contribute to the bigger picture and the overall picture. And I think that's important, just being passionate about whatever, wherever you fit in on that big, the grand scheme of things, just being passionate about that part. Um, and what job are you really hiring them into? Is a job that is it a job that fits within their skill set? Um, and what does that really mean? And sometimes, you know, depending on the position and the individual, some jobs do require background checks, but it really is up to the employer a lot of times to figure out if those types of checks are necessary and what to do with those. No, wonderful. Okay, thank you. And and when you're talking about with check with background checks, many companies don't hire returning citizens over concerns for negligent hiring lawsuits. What would be your suggestion for other HR professionals to properly onboard a returning citizen and maximum and minimize a company's exposure? 
to a negligent hiring lawsuit? Yeah, I think first and foremost, look and see what your state's legislation is around that, um, because every state is different. You know, here in California, we're very liberal and progressive for the most part, and so we have a lot of benefits, um, but not every state is like that. So really finding out what makes sense. Um, also, if you as an, an employer have the ability to have employment counsel, I think reaching out to those employment attorneys is very helpful because they know the law inside and out. Whereas I'm an HR professional, I know different parts of employment law, but that's not you know my skill set and area of expertise. Um, so if you have the opportunity to speak with employment counsel, I definitely advise employers to do that. Um, there's also like several bonding and insurance grants that employers can apply for, which is something that I learned relatively recently, but it helps also protect the employer from those negligent suits that might come up. Um, working with the EEOC, um, that is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, um, it's a national organization, and they're part of the Reentry Council, which also partners with a lot of organizations that work with returning citizens. So if you're pairing up with another organization that specifically trains people, you're also lessening the chance of having a suit filed against you. And I think establishing a positive work culture is very important and one that encourages the um, employment of returning citizens and really educating your workforce, whether they are returning or not. I think a lot of people, they don't understand, they don't know, so they make assumptions and then those assumptions can later on turn into a suit or something similar. And really encourage open lines of communication between the applicant or the potential applicant and their subsequent hire and their manager. I think a lot of things happen because they're not open lines of communication. Um, so for example, if you can only work a certain shift because of things you have to take care of, if you have to report to your parole officer or something like that, try and be as transparent as possible so your manager knows and they can set you up so that you can actually succeed in the workforce. I think that's a big thing. Um, if the organization can provide resources such as EAP, so employee assistance programs, that's usually a great thing because it just provides another level of support, both for employees who are returning citizens and for employees who are not. Um, and really foster an environment of inclusivity. I think that's very important. Uh, and again, think going back to thinking about the type of work the person really is going to be hired into. And again, only do background checks when necessary. No, thank you for that answer. I mean, we always I always talk about the way in which we engage employees, that that our employee engagement as HR professionals should certainly be optimal, not only for the returning citizens, but for all employees. And mm -hmm. I think that, that what you laid out really, really speaks to that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Lynn, based on your experience and working in criminal justice reentry, and it's certainly your, you know, you're highly experienced in human resources. What method, and since we're talking about employee engagement, what method or methods should companies use best to promote employee engagement in the workplace? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the most crucial things is really setting up that, again, that goes back to those open lines of communication between the supervisor and the supervisee. So for example, at the Immigrant Legal Resource Center, all employees, this is in a pre-pandemic world, but all employees have a lunch, a one-on-one -on -one lunch just with their supervisor. So it's a great chance for the new employee to kind of help be onboarded and really get a chance to sit with that person kind of outside the work setting and get to know one another. So I think that's a great start. Um, making sure you have 
proper onboarding. So with us, you know, I do onboarding. We have our IT people do onboarding. We have, you know, the first couple of days, your schedule is pretty set of who you're going to meet with to help bring you into the culture of the organization. Um, at the ILRC, we also have what we call culture circles. It's such a tongue twister, but culture circles, um, which are really designed to talk about the history of the organization uh, and understand why we do certain things and how decisions are made. And I think that really gives new employees a lot of insight on kind of what they're walking into and what the expectations are. Um, I think another thing would just be to have one-on-one meetings with other staff when possible. Just the more people can get to know one another in that work environment, the better. And I keep saying this, so I apologize for being repetitive. Open lines of communication, (laughs) they are really important and oftentimes underestimated. So yeah. Very important to say open lines of communication because we always talk about open lines of communication and we have to reiterate it because sometimes that doesn't always happen (laughs) as much as we preach on it. Um, Can you share with us what are some of the industry or volunteer projects that you're currently working on? Yeah, so for me personally, as you mentioned in my bio, um, I recently founded Partnerships with Purpose. And so, I mean, as we all know, 2020 was just a terrible year for so many different reasons. And, you know, it really underscored the displays of police brutality and violence that were inflicted specifically upon Black people. And we could really see that the laws um, and just in general, the sentencing for whites are significantly less than they are for Blacks. And the families face a real irrevocable damage and despair and people are returning home, especially in 2020, to a world that looks very different than it did prior to really mid-March of last year. And so the thing with Partnership with Purpose is to really work with companies to help them understand what they can do to make their workplaces more inclusive and more equitable. Because now everyone's talking about it. The buzzwords, right, are DEI. Everyone's talking about DEI. How can we get a DEI officer? But, you know, saying it and actually doing it are two very different things. And if you have, you know the desire to really create an equitable workforce, what does that look like? And are you still excluding certain people, in this case, returning citizens? So do you know how to work with a population? Do you understand what it means to be a returning citizen? There are so many different barriers that returning citizens face. And if you don't know how to help navigate that, how are you truly being inclusive? And so the goal is to really work with those companies to educate them and coach them and train them on how to do that successfully. Thank you. This next question is for my students. I, I think you may know in one of my day jobs, I teach HR. I teach applied concepts in HR. I teach training and development and comp and benefits. So starting this week, I start teaching summertime applied concepts in HR. And I always get this question from my students. So when I have them listen to my podcast for extra credit, they would, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this, this question. Can you share with us what do you think are some of the best qualities one should have as an HR professional? And then, of course, specifically for my students or anyone that's listening, can you share with us what is the best way one can break into the HR industry? Absolutely. Uh, I think being a good listener, but also an active listener is probably first and foremost in my mind, Uh, you know, as an HR professional, you're constantly listening to people. It could be other employees, your colleagues 
excuse me, or it could be your employer, like the, the people in the leadership team and things like that. So being able to actively listen is very important. I think being able to pivot and be flexible, you know, things are always happening, like fires always need to be put out, right? So just being able to stop, switch gears and, and seamlessly transfer to something else, I think is key. Um, I think HR people, generally speaking, we're very curious, we're inquisitive, we want to know more. And, you know, HR, the rules and regulations are always changing. And so being able to want to learn more, but also have the ability to be able to stay on top of those things, I think it's very important. Um, and as far as people who are interested in getting into HR, so you mentioned comp and benefits, right? So there's so many different pieces to the umbrella, which is HR. So I consider myself to be an HR generalist because I dabble in everything, um, but there's compensation benefits, there's labor relations, there's change management, organizational development. There's literally like a ton of things that are under the HR umbrella. And so I would advise people if they can take any sort of classes online, even through uh, Coursera or Udemy, find classes that they can take to see if, you know, what they think HR is actually is what it is. Um, if they have someone in their life that they can speak to about what HR professionals do, that's great. Or even if on the job or even on the campus, if they have an HR person they can talk to and pick their brain, I think that's important. I know when I was younger, I thought HR was just about filling out paperwork, <laughs> maybe firing and hiring people. Like I didn't understand that it's so deep and there are just so many different aspects. And so when you start to talk to people about that, they're like, oh, wow, I didn't know. And, you know, things like that. So I think that's great. Um, and if, you know, if you can intern somewhere, you know, I think that's a great way to get your foot into the HR door as well. And then even if you're applying, you maybe don't have the experience and it's an HR, an entry level HR uh, position, to see what skills you currently have that are transferable and that align with what the HR uh, department is looking for, for that particular job that you're applying for. That is great. What a great answer. Listen, based on that answer, you know my students are going to ask me to, for you to come and visit the class via Zoom. So I, I, may, have, I, I may have to <laughs> I may have to entice you again to, to do that. Okay. <laughs> um, I, uh, oh, and the last thing I'll the one thing I'll say before I get to our last question, I um mm -hmm. I was texting our our common sister Shirley Renee Williams yesterday, mm -hmm. and I I'm not to get her. I'm gonna try to entice her to come to our class too as well because yes, you know, yes, she, yes. she has a great story as well. Yeah, no, Shirley's great. Shirley's great. Love her. Oh, yeah, yes. she's awesome. She's awesome. Well, well, Maisha, you got so many things going on and so many interesting things going on. What's, what's your social media platforms that people could follow you on or follow Partnerships of Purpose, follow your journey, follow your follow the things that you're doing? Where, where can people follow you at? Sure. Um, so I'm... <laughs> need to do better about uh, being in the social media world, but <laughs> on Clubhouse, you can find me at Ask NASA, which is, I understand, a very random handle, but it's A-S-K-N-A-S-A. -A -A. Little side story, uh, growing up, I always wanted to be an astronaut, and so I was like, if you want to learn about me, ask NASA. So just- yes, there you go. There you yeah. go. <laughs> um, and then on both Twitter and Instagram, my handle is the, the letter P, the number two movement. Um, and then the website is the p2movement.com. Um, but I'm also reachable via email. So that would be Maisha at the p2movement.com. But yeah, that's All it. Right, that's that's me. That's great. My sister, Miss Maisha Nelson, has been our joy, our privilege, and our honor for you to have joined us today on Second Chance Co Coaching. Thank you for all you do 
please keep in touch. When I come to San Francisco, I will look you up and yes. you'll be, be my local tour guide. I want to see all the local. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a foodie, so I need to know all the good local eateries. That's what I need to do. I will start putting a list together. There you go. And we certainly look forward to your continuing and dynamic journey. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you so much, Richard, for having me. Thank you and be well.